Well, I don't know about <clears throat> the rest of you, but for me, the last few months have been a bit of a blur. Once September um, turns into October, it just feels like we're in this sprint toward Christmas. Um, October, you know, the weather finally starts to cool down and we put up our fall decorations and we have Halloween. The next thing you know, it's November and then we're getting ready for Thanksgiving and buying turkeys and all of that. And then Black Friday comes around and then it is December and there's this crazy buildup um, to Christmas. And hopefully, you know, you've also had a great time of Advent too as we have been preparing for Christmas. But then the next thing you know, it is December 26th and it's all over. So now we're in this kind of weird week. And for me, for years, that, that week between Christmas and New Year's has always felt kind of odd to me for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, the kids are still off of school. A lot of people are still off of work. Um, but the house uh, looks a bit like the morning after a Christmas party. Open gifts kind of lying around, not yet put away. Cookies getting stale. And then that half-empty, half-consumed carton of eggnog. I love eggnog, but about that much you know, and it's about to expire. The tree is barely getting watered, or if you're like us, you have a fake tree, which has been really helpful because we don't need to water it. And the Christmas lights are lucky to get switched on at all. Now, personally, I feel a little conflicted about the end of Christmas. There's part of me that's just kind of ready for it to be done with all the buildup and all of that, but there's also part of me going, but I, I feel bad about feeling, you know, happy that, that, it's, that it's done. Well, as followers of Jesus, we know that Christmas isn't just about presents. It isn't just about Santa. It isn't just about decorations and cookies and all of that. It's about the birth of Jesus, and specifically, it's about Emmanuel, you know, God with us, that God came in flesh to be with us. And we've had this Advent season to remind us of God's love for us and the birth of Christ. And since that is just as true on December 29th as it is on December 24th, and it is just as true on June 29th as it is on December, on December 24th, we try to celebrate the good news of Jesus, the good news of Christmas every single day. But we know all this, but it's still really good. I still love the fact that we have Christmas, that we have this season to get ready, this season when we have this chance to really focus on the birth of Jesus. So today, in this final week of the new year, the final week before the new year, this last days of Christmas, we're going to take one final look at the last bit of the story of Christmas, the last birth of the story of Jesus. So, and it's an important one. It's an important part of the story. I think we're, a lot of people are just kind of ready to move on. Jesus has been born. Now it's, now it's time to move on to the next. But we're going to read one more part. See, we've read the prophecies of the coming Messiah. We've talked about Mary and Joseph. We've talked about the angels and the shepherds. We've talked about the amazing birth. But I invite you to listen to what happened next. We were reading, Math we were reading Luke before. Today we're going to read out of Matthew. It's going to be Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, over the last 2,000 years since the Magi visited Jesus and his family in Bethlehem, there's been quite a bit of tradition that has been built up around these Magi. So, so we have these three kings, so we hear, with names Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. We learn that these kings may have come from different places. Some say they were kings from Arabia or from Persia or from India, Ethiopia, or even China. We're told that after they left, they went to India, that they all gathered and went off to India, and they died there, and they were buried in India. But then legend says that they were moved to Constantinople, and then to Milan, and then finally to the Cologne Cathedral in Germany, which incidentally is about 20 minutes away from where I used to live. Um, but I never actually got to go and see that the relic of, of where they are supposedly buried. Well, there are various celebrations around the Magi as well. Um, many different nations celebrate uh, the Magi and these three kings, as, as some will call them. Uh, Spain, Mexico, Philippines, Austria, Poland, many, many other places, even locally. Um, in New Orleans particularly, but not just in New Orleans. Um, anybody ever have the king cake? Right, king cake with, you know, and, and they'll be available starting with Epiphany, January 6th, which is the day that we remember the, the Magi coming, and available through Mardi Gras. Well, while most of these traditions cannot be corroborated actually with a whole lot of history, but it's a lot more tradition, there are some key things that we can learn about the Magi, who they were and what they did. So let's take a look at what the scripture actually says, this part that we just read. There's a couple sentences that tell us a, a bit about them. So again, Matthew 2, 1 through 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the first thing that we learn about these visitors is that they are called Magi. And we get the word Magi actually from the, the text there from, it, it's not like there's an a English equivalent. We just kind of took it and said, we'll just call them, call them magi. We'll take that word. And magi can mean different things, and it does mean different things um, in the culture back then, but also in, in scripture. Um, that word magi can mean a magician or a sorcerer, and generally it's seen in a bad way. You look at, at the early church, and there was a Simon the sorcerer, Simon the magi, who was this magician um, who tried to go and buy the power of God. Um, magi are also people who are seen as possessors of supernatural um, power and supernatural knowledge. And then specifically, um, the magi, one of the uses of magi is this Persian priestly class of people. And they were part of the ancient uh, religion of Zoroastrianism. And Zoroastrianism used a blend of uh, 
astronomy and astrology, and it was kind of this belief that would follow the stars to see, okay, what is happening right now, what is going to happen in the future. So it's studying what's going on, but seeing that maybe the stars are speaking to them as well. And it was largely practiced in Persia, or as we would call it today, um, Iran. Well, the second thing we learn about these magi, and that's probably the best guess, probably the best guess is that they are probably these magi um, who were from, um, who were Zoroastrian priests. Well, second thing we learn about these magi is that they came from the east. Well, if these magi are Zoroastrian priests who have come from the east, most likely coming from Persia or Iran, let's think a little bit about where they came from. Okay, so if you have people who are, let, let's say the middle of Persia um, today, I think, Tehran is kind of, kind of the middle of the country there. So if you go from Tehran to Bethlehem, as the crow flies, it's about 1,000 miles. Well, these guys are either on foot or on camel. We don't exactly know, but they are making their way. Now imagine if you were to say, I'm going, I heard this thing that has happened, and I'm going to go see what has happened, and it's in New York City. Okay? It's about the same distance from here to the middle of Times Square as it was from Tehran to the middle of Bethlehem. So imagine walking from here to Times Square because you want to go see what has happened. You can imagine that would take a while to get there. Even if you're moving at a decent pace, you're probably going to take a couple months to get there. So we know that these magi traveled a great distance to go and see Jesus. Well, third, we learn why they traveled that great distance. They went because they saw his star when it came up and they've come to worship him. These are people, again, who studied the stars. Now, there's some debate about what kind of star it was. Was it literally a star? Was it uh, a supernova? Was it a, um, a comet? Or maybe was it that, that what was it, um, Jupiter and Saturn, because there was meaning to each of those um, planets, and that when they would line up, that there was something big that had happened, and specifically, they believed that the new king of Israel, the new king of the Jews, had been born. So they knew something important had happened because they had seen it in the stars. And it caused them to come and, new, and see this new king. Now an interesting thing to me that is just shocking to me is you have, so you have these Zoroastrian priests, right? And they travel at least a thousand miles to come and to see the new king of the Jews. They've traveled all this distance. And then they go and they talk to Herod and they talk to Herod's priests and the people go, well, yeah, it's supposed to happen and he's supposed to be coming to Bethlehem and they've been waiting for this Messiah to come. Anybody remember how far it is from Bethlehem to, uh, to Jerusalem? Six miles. Yeah, it's right there. And you know what they did? They didn't go. Zoroastrian priests travel a thousand miles. Herod and these priests won't even go six miles to see Jesus. Now, I love doing research. Um, I was a history major in college. I like reading stuff, and that's one of my problems is I'll spend way too long researching things and looking into them. So I, I love all of these facts, um, but then you get kind of to the, okay, so what? You know, why, why does this really matter? Because at this point, mainly what each of us has in this room right now is we have ammunition to be snarky and to say, well, you know, those songs are just completely theologically inaccurate. We three kings, you know, we don't know exactly how many kings there were, and they probably weren't even kings anyway. So, so what do we do with this? What, what do we do with this story? Well, the good news is that the story of these magi, even without the embellishments and all the tradition, 
it reveals more good news of great joy. Because remember what the, what the angels brought to the shepherds was they said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Well, I believe that not only is the good news of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ good news of great joy, I find great joy and I find great hope in the story of the Magi. So let's think a little bit about what happened to them. So there are things that we learn from the Magi. The first thing that we learn, this good news of the Magi, the first is God reaches out to those who are far away from him. Now the Magi were not Jewish scholars. They were not people who were looking for the Messiah. Many people were looking for the Messiah. These guys were not them. They were not close to God. They were very far from God. They were astrologers. They were reading the stars. They were looking for the new king. These guys were looking for answers to the questions of life. And they found Jesus. They found Jesus because God used their searching. God used their questions and their curiosity and he brought them to Israel. Well, then God even used Herod, right? Herod was a bad guy. Herod, we find out later, he, he wanted to have Jesus killed and he killed all the, all, the, all the children there, all the boys. So God used even Herod because it was Herod who told him. It was Herod's people who said, well, yeah, the, 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 the new king is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So they, they were sent on their way to Bethlehem and they finally find Jesus and there they worship him. Well, like the Magi today, many people are searching for answers. You know, the fastest growing religious designation in the United States is none or no religion. But these are still people, even if they have no religion, or they say they have no religion, no, no faith, these are still people searching for answers, still people searching for meaning. Now, like the Magi, most of the time, folks in this class or folks just in general are not necessarily looking for their answers in the Bible. Instead, they're using self-help books, astrology, spirituality, things like that. Well, the good news to me is that if God could use the stars and the teachings of Zoroastrianism to lead the Magi to Scripture, because that's where they eventually went to, right? They ended up in Bethlehem because God's Scripture pointed them there. If God can do that, if God could use those things for his glory and to bring people to the truth of Jesus, imagine what he can do today. Now, this isn't to say that all religions are the same, that all paths lead to God, that everything that people believe is perfectly fine and it's all gonna lead to God up on the top of that mountain. But the good news for us is that God reaches out to people who are far away, even people who are looking in the wrong place, and he draws them to himself. Well, when I'm running or when I'm working in the yard, things like that, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Some of those podcasts are Christian, things like church leadership or theology, and sometimes John and Travis have a podcast, listen to that as well. There's also some non-Christian podcasts that I listen to, people like Chris Hardwick, or there's, there's a new one if you haven't heard it, if you're, an, if you're a fan of The Office, you know, there's a, where the office ladies talk about each episode and they, and they break down the episodes. Well, one of the podcasts that I listen to a lot um, is called Armchair Expert, and it is by Dax Shepard. Now, Dax Shepard um, is an actor, he's a director, and you may or may not recognize him, but this next picture will help you recognize who he is, because he is married to Kristen Bell. 
all right? So that is who Dax Shepard is. So he has this uh, podcast that he's been doing for a while, Armchair Expert, and on his show, he has a variety of guests, often celebrities, but sometimes he'll also bring on experts because he considers himself an armchair expert. He doesn't, he, he studied a whole lot, but he's not necessarily an expert on things. So he brings on sometimes um, these real experts. Well, whether it is with an expert or whether it is with a celebrity, um, his show is, I'll be honest with you, often irreverent, colorful language and topics. I'm not endorsing his show. I'm just saying it's one that I happen to listen to and it is interesting sometimes. Um, He describes his show. He says that he is endlessly fascinated by the messiness of being human. He invites his listeners to join him as he celebrates the challenges and setbacks that ultimately lead to growth and betterment. So Dax Shepard on his show is someone who is searching for answers. Now, if you've ever listened to his show, one thing you'll find out fairly quickly about Dax is that he is an atheist, a very strong atheist. So he's brought on guests like Bill Nye. He's brought on guests like Richard Dawkins. He calls Dawkins a personal hero, and he says he's on the Mount Rushmore of science and atheism. I listened to part of his interview, and he's like giddy to have, to have Richard Dawkins on there. But he also has Christian guests sometimes. Jim Gaffigan was on the show. Tony Hale was on the show. And he even talks in depth about faith with them. And he isn't condescending, isn't rude, anything like that. They can actually have some good, good, helpful conversations. Well, on a recent episode, um, he had Carrie Russell on the show. Now, Carrie Russell, if you recognize her, um, she's in the new Star Wars movie, from what I understand. She was in The Americans and back in the right at the turn of the millennium, she was on, anybody? Felicity, right? She had the curly hair and all that kind of stuff, and it was a big deal. Well, Carrie does not call herself a Christian, and their topics, again, were a little off-color and such. Um, But as she was talking about her marriage, she was talking about her marriage to her first husband, and she says, well, people, you know, know, call him a contractor, things like that, but, you know, it's kind of a, a fancy word of saying carpenter. And, and Dax is going, oh, a carpenter, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. That's a good thing. It's great to be a carpenter, he says. Jesus was a carpenter. We all remember him. He was very famous. He was pretty great. This is an atheist saying this. Dax then mentions a recent conversation he was having. He says, we were talking about the real history of the real man, Jesus. Okay, so he's somebody who believes that Jesus truly did exist. And he is a devout atheist, I guess you would say. He says, we were asking questions. Did he have to go to the bathroom? These kind of things, potentially sacrilegious. When we gla- what we glazed right over is that people clearly lived in homes built by Jesus. Imagine the value of one of his homes. If a Frank Lloyd Wright house is worth a lot, imagine living in a holy house, something built by the Lord that is still standing. Dax Shepard is a very outspoken and very proud atheist, but even Dax is drawn to Jesus. Now you can say, well, Dax doesn't really pay attention to what Jesus says. He just kind of likes certain things. He likes the pop culture Jesus. But there's something happening there. He denies the miracles. He denies the divinity. But he has a respect for Jesus. And that respect for Jesus is a great starting point and an open door. Now, will Dax Shepard follow in the footsteps of the Magi? Will he come and will he worship at the throne of Jesus? I don't know but it's something we can pray for. Now, I don't mean that as a throwaway phrase. Well, you know, we can pray for it. Probably not gonna happen, but we can pray for it. I mean, we can actually pray for it and we can have hope in that. 
There's hope in the fact that God reaches out to people who are far away from him and draws them to himself. Which then leads us to this next point, which is related to it. Number two is that God calls people to himself who we would never expect. Now, if you look at the Bible, God directly said, you shall not worship other gods. He also said, you shall not consult the stars and try and seek answers that way. Well, guess what? The Magi worshiped the god Ahura Mazda, and they consulted the stars a lot. But God called them to the manger. God drew them to himself in spite of all of that. Think about the Apostle Paul. Paul was once Saul, a persecutor, a murderer of Christians. But God called him, God drew him to himself, and he became one of the greatest evangelists ever. If you're familiar with the story of Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel was um, an atheist and an investigative journalist who went off to try and disprove the story, the reality of the resurrection, and then ended up becoming a Christian and an apologist. Look up his story. It's a really interesting one. Um, Another one, this one might ruffle a few feathers, but I don't know, I have no idea if Kanye West is truly following Jesus. I do not know what his life will look like in 12 months, and he says things even today, sometimes where I just shake my head and go, dude, Um, But both Lee Strobel and Kanye West were searching for answers and God drew them to himself. These are two people who nobody around them, nobody in the world, especially with Kanye, would have gone, oh yeah, this is a guy who's gonna follow Jesus. But now both of them profess faith in Jesus Christ. Both of them go out of their way to invite others to follow and worship Jesus Christ as well. The fact that God calls people who I never would have expected the the fact that God calls them to follow gives me hope. And I've seen this firsthand. I've seen people who I never would have thought, people who I honestly wasn't even praying for because I'm going, that person? I know that person. They have no interest in Jesus. But Jesus had interest in them. And because others prayed and because others were faithful, they are now following Jesus. Well, the final lesson that we learn from the Magi is that sometimes it takes a long time for people to find Jesus. Now, it took our Magi years to find Jesus. We tend to think, you know, we we have have our nativity over here. I love our nativity. But like pretty much every other nativity, we have, we have, infant Jesus, and then we have our our Magi who have come. And most likely, it was, it was a little while after when it happened. Actually, we know it was, it was quite a while after. We don't know the exact timing, but we know it took a while to get there. So, what you have is you have these Magi, okay? And when they, when they go and tell Herod what was going on, you know, Herod, when he wanted to kill all the He wanted to try and get rid of this new king. He killed all the little boys who were two years and under. So we know it probably wasn't um, exactly two years because he probably had a little bit of a cushion there for it, but he figured it took time for them. They saw the star and then they came and they journeyed and they made their way there. So you have these magi who studied the stars for years. They were looking for answers for years and they finally saw the star rising. After seeing the star, they traveled for months and many miles. 
And then they wind up in the wrong city, listening to the wrong person. They spent years going down the wrong path, the opposite direction of Jesus. They read the wrong books. They even encouraged other people to do the same. But by the grace of God, completely by the grace of God, they found their way to Jesus. Well, for the last month during our announcement time, I've said almost every week that Christmas is a great time to invite people to come to church because people tend to be more open to coming during Christmas. But what I've seen here and what I've seen in my life and what I've seen in conversations I've had with people is that openness to Christmas, openness to Jesus is not only at Christmas time. I would suggest that many more people are interested in Jesus and open to Jesus and might actually be willing to come, not just to come to church, but to talk about Jesus and to learn more than we realize. Our cultural climate right now is that no one's willing to listen to what others believe. So why even try? But I don't think that that's entirely true. And even if it is true on some level, I don't think that it has to be that way. I'm gonna look at my own life and conversations I've had with people where people have, we've kind of built up this relationship in time and we've talked about other topics. I mean, I was talking to somebody just recently who said, now what does he guys believe about, bum, 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 I forget exactly what it was, but it was something about the church. And this is a guy who does not go to church, a guy who used to go to church a while ago but doesn't anymore. Somebody who was willing, somebody who had questions and wanted to talk. People have questions. It's just true. People have questions about life, about the future, about God. And if we spend time actually getting to know them, getting to know, spending time with people who don't go to church, people who don't read the Bible, if we are actively praying for them, we can be the ones they go to when they have questions. Once again, we return to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Colossians 2, 4 through 2, um, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. For me, the story of the Magi offers tremendous hope. Most of us know people who've been wandering for years, people we've been praying for. People who maybe followed Jesus years ago, but now want nothing to do with him. I believe that we can have hope because the good news of Christmas is not only the birth of the Messiah, the good news of Christmas is also the good news of the Magi. It's the good news that God reaches out to those who are far away. It's the good news that God reaches out and draws people to himself who we would never expect. And it's the good news that although sometimes it takes a long time for them to find their way, God is still at work even when we don't see it. The Holy Spirit who drew the Magi to the manger to see Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who is still at work in our world, drawing our loved ones to him as well.
Let's pray. Father, our hope is in you. Lord, if we try on our own to convince people, if we try on our own to tell people that they are wrong, there's only so far that we're going to get. Lord, it comes by your grace. It comes by your power. Lord, draw people to yourself. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to not give up hope. Help us to keep lifting them up. Help us to find those opportunities to walk through those doors that you give us. Help us to be involved in people's lives who don't know you. Help us to pray faithfully. Help us to live faithfully. Help us to represent you and to share the gospel. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.